Nadia. Mantles are hard. It's a V2 mantle and you don't know where you're going and you don't know where any of the holds are and you're also pumped. That is a scenario where you could fall. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show's Pro Clinic on Advanced Bouldering with someone who knows a thing or two about the topic, Allison Vest. Now, Allison's been a guest on the show, and I highly recommend revisiting that episode on your next road trip if you haven't heard it or if it's just been a while since you heard it. It's a great one. And to sum up a bit of Allison's climbing background as it pertains to today's pro clinic, she was the Canadian National Boulder Champion in 2018 and 2020, and since then has put her focus on outdoor rigs, of which she has topped many a hard problem up to V14. And for anybody who's counting, that's about 10 V grades harder than where I'm at. Allison's just a real student of the sport, y'all. She has a deep well of advanced bouldering tactics and techniques that she brings to this convo today, concepts and drills that will immediately be useful no matter what grade you're bouldering. Now, beyond her own climbing, Allison's making a big splash in climbing media with the launch of the YouTube channel Float Climbing, as well as Circle Up, the podcast that she co-hosts with Kyra Condi. Both of those resources are banger, and I highly recommend you check them out. I'll link to them in the show notes. So whether you're punching into V double digits or like me, working on those V4s, Allison packs a ton of technical insights into this conversation. Get ready. Hey, would you like a free pair of Scarpa shoes to help send your next rig? Well, I'm giving a pair away. What? Yes, this pro clinic is sponsored by patrons of the show, and that's just one of the main ways I'm able to keep putting out content like this that is hopefully helping you to level up your climbing game and entertain you on your drive to the gym or to the crag. And I'm just trying to build up my Patreon community here to the point where, oh my gosh, who knows, maybe this could become my full-time gig. That's certainly the dream. And for that to happen, y'all, I'm going to need a lot of listeners to come aboard as patrons. So I am giving a pair of Scarpas away to a new patron. Anyone who joins the Struggle Patreon family this month, which is October 2023, will be entered and the cool news for you, if you're considering it, is that the odds of winning are going to be pretty dang good. It's not like I'm going to get a thousand new patrons here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that would be like life-changingly cool, but it is probably not going to happen. So maybe like 10 or 20 of you will come aboard here, which means your chance at scoring any pair of Scarpa shoes that you want will be 1 in 10 or 1 in 20 or however many people come aboard to support the show in the next couple of weeks. So if you have been on the fence... Now is the time, my friend. Not only will you get a chance at the best shoes in the game, but you'll also score instant access to over 20 hours of exclusive content from the likes of Chris Sharma, Alex Honnold, Nina Williams, Ravioli Biceps, Tyler Nelson, Natasha Barnes, and of course today's guest, Allison Vest. Plus, the best part, y'all, you're going to be helping me to keep everything going over here in the podcast slash utility closet. There's zero commitment. You can quit any time. So, I don't know, maybe check it out. See what you think. Pop over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show. That link is right there in your podcast player. And take a look. For as little as five bucks a month, you can support me, score all sorts of exclusive content and perks, and nab a shot at those Scarpas. Thank you so much. I love you. All right, let's get ready to top some blocks with Allison Vest. Saw you got COVID. We also got COVID on the way home from Africa. 
I just heard as I was listening to Circle Up that you got COVID on the way back. At least you got it on the way back. It's true. A, a bunch of people had it like while we were there. So are you doing better? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do better, but it was like I was on my butt for two weeks. Although I have to say this forced COVID deload, like I feel stronger than I've ever felt. There you go. I don't feel that, but I'm happy some people do. <laughs> I'm calling I, it yeah. a, a, a PEV, a performance enhancing virus. I'm like, oh, I'm doing like, I'm maxing out on all my things right now. Yeah, well, I just PR'd on my hangboard, so I guess that's good. I'm happy to see you. Thanks for yeah. thanks for carving out some time here. Uh, I, I continue to get such great feedback on your episode that you've done. You know, we're diving into a pro clinic here, so we get to kind of geek out over one topic, one topic of interest and expertise for you. Before we dive into that, though, I do want to just catch up on a project of yours that you launched just kind of, it was maybe right before you went to Rocklands or, or even while you were there, and that's Float. There. So yeah. yeah, give me like a little bit of an overview of that and maybe where we can expect Float to be heading over the course of the next year here. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just felt like it was a an area of climbing media that was lacking, which was just a place where there was cool, mostly uncut, but also hopefully at some point, like feature length films about women in climbing. It's mostly, it's all been bouldering so far, but I do also intend for there to be sport climbing as well. But uncut sport climbing footage isn't the most interesting. So <laughs> those will probably be some of the more edited pieces. But yeah, I mean, it just felt like there there was uh, something missing from, like there's so much great climbing media out there right now, but it's all run and curated by men for the most part. And so it felt like there was time for there to be a channel that was run by women and for women and mostly of, like, I don't necessarily intend it for it to be only women either, but was largely contributed to by female climbers just because, I mean, I felt, I was feeling like I was hearing all the time of like, all of my friends doing super cool stuff and it just wasn't getting the hype that I felt like it should. So yeah. Yeah. I kind of create a platform where those stories can be highlighted. Yeah, dude. I, I love it. The launch video is so sick. The edit is fantastic. And uh, the videos that you posted up there are fantastic. I mean, it's women who are bouldering hard, crazy hard, really cool. Obviously you're on there, but other great uh, crushers from the community and you just continue to add great material for people who are who are listening who haven't checked it out you just like go subscribe to to float it's fantastic content and more good stuff coming it's it's great allison you're you're always you got something exciting happening and i'm glad you could join us for the pro clinic today are you ready to dive in should we talk about advanced bouldering tactics sure i mean i think like you probably know a thing or two about this hence why you are joining and bringing your expert uh perspective here to this topic. It's a topic I know almost nothing about. No one would ever accuse me of being an advanced boulder or a, a boulderer, let alone an advanced boulderer. So I'm excited to sit here and learn as well. And I'm going to mostly just kind of hand it off to you, let you carry us through, but I'll try to weave us a little bit of an arc to keep things on the rails here. But I guess before we we really dive in, what does that mean to you, like advanced bouldering technique and, and tactics, when I just kind of frame it like that with that title? I mean, I feel like that's something that everybody is constantly learning more about just based on what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Like, I feel like you're always a student to climbing. And even if, you know, even if you really feel like you've mastered bouldering and you're, you, there's, it has nothing left to teach you, 
there's also just so many disciplines in climbing that it feels like the amount of knowledge is endless. So one, that's just an overwhelming title. <laughs> Advanced bowling yeah. technique. Like there's just so much. And yeah, and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on some of those things. And I am still very much a student of the majority of them, I would say. I love that. And I think as you get to the level at which you climb, each specific problem really presents a very unique set of challenges that have to be, it seems, either learned, relearned, or like wildly refined. I mean, the, just the nuance at which it's not that you just need 4% more finger strength. It's There's so many factors that have to come together when you're really pushing a cutting edge uh, boulder problem or grade. And for somebody like myself that that isn't, where I'm like a V4, V5 boulderer, it's maybe even more so that, which is weird. So like we're kind of calling this advanced bouldering te techniques and tactics. But for me, like it's not often that my strength is probably the limiting factor. I think it's very likely that I don't know what the heck to do with my hips and my heels and my toes and any number of other things when I'm trying to pull really hard things. Sometimes it's probably finger strength. I like to blame it on my fingers probably far more often than I should. So just looking kind of as this, before we dive into some specifics, uh, looking at your journey as a boulderer, has there been an area that you've either particularly struggled in or put a lot of emphasis in with regard to your bouldering tactics and techniques that has really impacted you kind of over the last handful of years? Yeah, for me personally, it's definitely been tactics has been huge just in general, just because I grew up climbing. So there's obviously some technique things that I still am working hard on improving. You know, everybody has their weaknesses, but that's something that I've always been thinking about and working on just because I was growing up in competition and growing up climbing. But almost exclusively in the gym. And a lot of the tactics for trying to send hard boulders outside um, are so different than being in the gym and training or competing or whatever that sort of indoor side of things looks like. So for me, this shift to learning those outdoor tactics in terms of like how long to rest and how to figure out the top of a boulder first and doing it on a rope and like all the all those different tactical things that was sort of the biggest turning point for me and just like men mental tactics too for like fear management and making good decisions and because with bouldering every fall is a ground fall so you have to be able to like simultaneously acknowledge that and decide where your comfort level lies and like what you know when to push and when to decide to be a little bit more careful. Yeah, well, I'm excited to to peel into some of that. That was one of the more fascinating and also very well-received uh, sections of your original interview here on the show, which was talking about like top outs and working through fear on topping out and slabby top outs and these kinds of things. And I think that's probably worth revisiting in a little bit more detail here as we go through it. But does it make sense to break this into like a technique section, like practical skills that we might want to be considering developing and focusing on with drills and things we, you know, that would translate to rock and then a tactics section, kind of what you highlighted there with regard to just what goes into putting in the best effort when we do get outside. Does that yeah, make, make sense. sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do it. Okay. So techniques, 
you've probably got, there's probably a hundred. We won't have time. So let's zero in on, you know, maybe the few, the handful that you feel as people are advancing into being able to boulder at a higher level or transitioning from the gym outside and they've got some strength and we're looking for some tricks of the trade. What jumps out? I mean, honestly, the first, like the most basic technique thing that jumps out to me is definitely heel hooking. Like if I think about all the majority of the best boulders in the world, they're especially women, actually, they're all really proficient at heel hooking. And that's for sure something that I always thought I was actually poor at growing up competing. But then as I started climbing outside, I got better at it. And I actually think it's something that I am now actually good at. And where yeah. just for to, to set the stage in the most basic way, which is for me, why is heel hooking an advantageous skill to be able to master or at least become proficient with? I mean, I honestly think it's like as close as you can get to having a third hand, like hmm. to be able to like grab a hold and pull in the direction that you want in order to do the same move without using a heel hook. It's usually possible, but it is just requires so much more power and strength and usually coordination. And you can just get around a lot of that using that technique, being able to heel hook on something that's really small or really precise or where you have to have your, you know, your hips in an open position and your ankle turned in a weird way. And the people that are really proficient at highly technical or involved heel hooks tend to also have success on boulders that you can that you are able to heel hook on. Yeah, sick. And I think we've all seen the videos where yourself or, or others are throwing like a really high heel and like it doesn't even look like there's anything there. And and then using that to lock off like with the hamstring so you can get up and reach. And it's really, it's a very cool thing to see. It's for me, at least when I try it, there's a huge delta between seeing somebody do it and then me being able to do it. So let's maybe start there. What is bad heel hooking? I think beginner heel hookers just say like, oh, you're supposed to put your heel on this hold. I'm just going to like throw it over there and put it somewhere. I think people who are really good at heel hooking are really thoughtful about it and also about how the position of your foot will change as you move. I think that that has been something for me to learn as well is like you put a heel on a part one part of the hold and then as you pull up, it rolls into a different position. So you have to like think about how your foot and the angle of your foot will change as you move through whatever that movement is. And just, yeah, I think being more thoughtful about it has been huge for me. And I think also just like pointing your toe down and not just having your foot like in a 90 degree position just so you can pull better with it. And yeah, I mean, I really think thoughtfulness with heel hooking was a big, that was a big shift for me was it's not like I'm not just like putting my foot, my heel over there on a hold. Like I really am thinking about where's the best spot for this peel to go. Is there like a crystal that it's going to hook onto? Like what's the angle of my knee going to be like? And really think it all through. And for a while, I also realized I wasn't really pulling very hard, which I know sounds like obvious. Like if you put your heel on something, you should be pulling with it. But being able to try hard doing that, I think is also something that's really learned. Um, and for me, it was like almost a fear factor of, pulling really hard and feeling your hamstring engage and feeling your knee be in a precarious position. Um, and I've also had knee tendon issues too. So I, I think, yeah, fear was always a big thing for me. And so to combat that, I've just been doing 
I've been making my legs stronger. So using, uh, there is like what I like to call the heel hook machine at the gym, which is like those, the like leg curl machine. Right. So I use that all the time because it just makes me feel more comfortable when I'm heel hooking because I know I've already strengthened and prepared the tendons and muscle for that load. And then just, yeah, squats and uh, deadlifts and split squats and all these things that I feel like make my legs stronger so that I have more confidence in using them in a full force capacity. And I'm not afraid of pulling as hard as I can with that heel because I know I've done my best to prepare my legs for that uh, amount of strain. Yeah, that's it's a great point because I feel like at least when I throw heel hooks, they, they tend to be pretty passive. Like I'll, I'll see like a big jug and I'll throw a heel up on it and it'll allow me to maybe rest a little bit. And I'm more of a route climber, but I'm not typically like, you know, really pulling into it hard. And I could see how that would be, that could feel like a little bit exposed. A, if you blow the heel, you're coming off in some weird ass awkward way because your heels like up above your head or whatever. And so it just, I think initially would feel weird to engage a heel really heavily in any regard but then uh, if you're pulling a limit move you need to be able to use that like the third hand like you're saying and so i want to get back to the placement because you mentioned you know how the heel will likely roll as you're moving through kind of that sequence or the move and also you're pointing your toes and so if you could maybe explain a little bit more of what that looks like like from the moment you place the heel to the moment maybe you remove the heel and you're moving on to a, a different part of the boulder and how one might be able to train that if they're not out on their project, you know, a couple times a week. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, the leg strengthening thing I think is key for being able to use a heel hook. I think the goal in any, uh, the goal in any sort of movement in climbing is to have both strength and mobility through that. Well, that is what mobility is being able to move through the, the biggest range of motion possible and have strength in all those positions. And I like I think that's like the golden standard for any type of movement is to be mobile and have strength and power in that full range. And that is what's really incredible. When I think about like the best, most wildest heel hookers I've ever seen, like Margot comes to mind. Yeah, like Margot straight Hayes. above her head. Right. And like yeah, it's Margot. one thing to be able to put your heel above your head, but to also like put it above your head and then be able to pull through that motion basically in the splits. Adam Andra also is an insane example of that. Like his ability to like hand foot match and then mantle on top of that heel is both a testament of his mobility, but also the strength he has in his legs, like through that motion. So when I think that's like, that's really basic in a lot of ways is training your strength through your full range of motion and also just trying to get more flexible and mobile especially in your hips because the the wider your hips are when you have a heel hook on the, the closer you are to the wall and the more you can play with almost the angles of your knee and your hip and your ankle to create the best leverage possible uh and just i mean not all scenarios are created equal, but the more flexible you are and the more mobile and strong you are in all those positions, definitely the more options you have when you start trying to put a heel hook on. I love and this. I, I love this because we're talking about heel hooks, but we're really talking about mobility. We're talking about strength. We're talking about opening up hips. I mean, there's just so much because of the positioning that you're in is going to make or break um, the move, I'm, I'm assuming, and, and also at least how much effort will need to go into the move. So we're talking about heel hooks, but we're talking about everything yeah. else that goes into climbing yeah. as well. And especially for people who are taller, like I think those are both 
examples of it. I mean, Margot's not that tall, but she is tall-ish. But Adam is really tall for a male climber. And one thing that helps him with that is being really flexible and mobile and able to use his heels really well. But yeah, as far as like placement and positioning, that's always really interesting. I think people lose a certain consciousness of that too. Like the heel will work one time and people won't take the time to think about why or like pay attention to the detail of where exactly that placement was. And then you just, I mean, you just set yourself back when you put your, when you just don't think about it, put your heel somewhere and it works and you don't know why, then that just, you know, that, that gives you another element of luck when you're trying to send a, a boulder of just like, if I happen to put my heel back in that same spot, then I do the move. But if I put it somewhere different, then it slips out or whatever that situation is. Yeah, I think being really conscious of where you're putting your heel and whether it works or not, and then doing whatever you have to do. Like if your memory is really good and you can like look at a crystal or a, a little chip or whatever, where you end up putting your uh, heel and you can remember that for next time, that's great. But I've had boulders that are really beta intensive, especially in terms of foot placement. And I have like a notebook that I'll write down what I learned, especially for heel hooks too, like where to put that heel and how to place it so that it doesn't slip out. And I'll write it in a little notebook and then it just goes in my climbing bag so that when I go back to that same boulder next time and I can't remember or my heel is sliding and I don't know why, then I can consult on my past self to to remember exactly where that heel goes. Yeah, that's great. And when you're identifying where the heel goes, we're talking about outdoor bouldering for a second here, and then let's move to maybe um, how one might be able to work on that in the rock gym. But when you are first trying to assess, hey, where is this placement? If it's up a few moves, um, is there a way that you're able to just kind of practice that with the help of a spotter or a ladder or something like that? Or are you kind of necessarily needing to climb into that each time to to really understand the feel and the body position? For sure. Yeah, I think the power spot is for sure underutilized in climbing at the moment. But yeah, I get I think most of the hard boulders that I've done, I've been pushed through first. Like not only not only somebody pushing you into the move, but then also through the movement to try to learn how to do the move with a little bit of weight taken off. It's like similar to if you can't do a pull up, you start doing them with bands to be able to take some weight off. Um, it's similar in climbing. They do it also in other sports, gymnastics. They do it all the time where they take weight off or the spotter takes weight off to be able to learn to do a backflip. It's a pretty standard method of learning learned movements in any sport. And yeah, I think we as climbers underutilize that. I don't know if we just like don't want our friends to be touching us or something, but I'd like, I, I think it's super, I, yeah, I think people need to get more comfortable pushing each other into the boulder and then also through the, through the movements. It jumps ahead into the tactical side of, of what this conversation is, but we, we're making the rules, so it doesn't matter. And, and yeah. you brought it up, so I think it's worth just exploring for another second. Uh, uh, the power spot being that you've got a spotter, you're out at the blocks, and um, they're literally standing underneath you and just pushing up on your butt or your back or wherever you need some extra support so that you can reach a move, reach a sequence, pull a move without it being limit or sketchy or... Uh, maybe you just can't even do it, right? Yeah, for sure. And it, yeah, especially if it's scary, like if it's up high. But even sometimes just mentally is nice, like if somebody's power spotting you to just like be able to remind yourself that you're 
only X high off the ground because your spotter can still physically touch you. Right. But, but yeah, that's like a definitely a good way to be able to practice, especially if you're uncomfortable loading a heel hook. Like if that's part of like pulling really hard on it is something that's mentally hard or you're un, not used to trying hard in that way. That's also a really good way to learn how to try hard is to just take a little bit of weight off. So you're not having to pull as hard on that heel. Sick. Uh, Great. And also get your shoe off and put your shoe on the hold to try. Like I we do that all the time to just to try to see where it fits best into the a lot of times you're looking like in a crack or in a seam or something and your toe doesn't necessarily fit a certain way. So in terms of trying to understand where the best spot is to put your heel, yeah, we do it all the time. Take your shoe off and just try to put your shoe on the hold to see where it looks like it'll hook on there best. Oh, I love that. See, this is my kind of heel hooking when the shoe's on my hand and I'm just like kind yeah, of hand puppets. Uh, okay, cool. So we've been outside. We've checked out the proj. We have an understanding of what we need to do. Now we need to work the technique. How do you practice that at the gym or, or how would you recommend people train that aside from like the weight exercises, mobility exercises you've talked about, but actually like on a climbing wall? Yeah. Other than prepping to do it with just like your overarching mobility and strengthening exercises, definitely just finding. And that wraps up your free preview here on Advanced Bouldering with Allison Vest. I'm so sorry for the dreaded fade out there. I know it sucks, but offering up these pro clinics to patrons and subscribers is really one of the main ways that I'm able to keep the lights on over here in the podcast slash utility closet and offer up so much free content to the rest of the community. Y'all, there's another hour of this episode here with Allison, including pro insights and drills on toe hooking, power spotting, dinos, mantles, warming up, what to do when you're bouldering alone, how to rest, so much more. And it is all there for patrons and subscribers, along with every other pro clinic and bonus episode from ravioli biceps breaking down the moonboard to Alex Johnson on Jim DeCrag to Jordan Cannon on Big Wall Tactics and so much more. Plus, if y'all come aboard this month, you just might nab yourself a free pair of Scarpa shoes to take your bouldering game to new heights. So now's the time. You can do it right now. It's right there in your hand. Just pop over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show and check out the tiers that I got. Thank you so much for supporting me as I work hard to make this show every week. Also, remember to check out all the great stuff that Allison has going on, y'all. You can find her on IG at Allison Vest, on YouTube at Float Climbing, and of course, her podcast with Kyra Condi, Circle Up. I hope your training and climbing are going great. And if you're struggling like I am, well, at least the struggle makes us stronger. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all.